Welcome to the Wealth Time Freedom Podcast, where we decode the psychology of money, uncover the principles of personal finance, and learn how to put them into practice. This is all about escaping the rut race so we can win the game of life. It's personal finance, but with a big old dollop of personal development. If you're looking for answers, looking for motivation, or looking for help, you're in the right place. Our mission for this channel is to help you get as far as you can on your own. And then if you want to go further and faster, we can help with that too. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Passive Income Project. It's Terry here and I'm here with Ryan. Good to see you, mate. You too, mate. Today, we're going to be talking through what we believe to be one of the best wealth building strategies for homeowners that most people have never heard of. So talk us through this topic a little bit more. Yeah, this is probably the most underutilized strategy in Australia as well. Like something where there's so many people that have a capacity to do this, but just don't know it exists. I guess last week we talked about the different types of debts. We talked about investor debt being debt that helps you buy assets that put income in your pocket. And then the consumer debt, which is more to buy things that don't grow, they don't have an income. And then we talked about having the mortgage that's somewhere in the middle where it's not necessarily putting income in your pocket because you don't earn rental income or anything like that from your home, but it does grow in value. So your home does grow in value. So what we're going to talk about is how do you actually build up the second dimension of that asset, which is the income part. So it does grow in value, but there is also helping you earn an income too. So converting it from that sort of muddy middle, not quite consumer debt, but not quite investor debt, taking it from that middle place, taking it across to really useful debt that's actually... That investor debt, yeah. Yeah, it's actually going to grow your wealth. Yeah, that's right. So, And remember, we're talking here about the debt. We're not talking about the house. It's not about how we build out the house so that it helps us earn an income. It's about the debt that's associated with that house. A little bit different, but we'll get into it. Yeah, and there's three clear benefits for this, isn't there? Three really big payoffs that if this works really well and you can implement it and execute it with precision, what do they get? So the first one is you pay off the home loan faster, which is a goal for most people that have a mortgage. It's get rid of that bloody thing. And then the second one is pay a lot less tax, probably tens of thousands of dollars worth of tax over the decades. And then the last one is start building your passive income from your portfolio sooner. I think we sort of fall into this idea that we build up, we save our money towards buying a home, then we get a big debt against it, and then we just focus on repaying the debt until it's pretty much gone. And then we start building up our investments, thinking about retirement. Whereas this is thinking about starting that investing journey much, much sooner so that you can get the benefits of compounding and building that portfolio over time. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people in this situation, right, that are starting to educate themselves and go, oh, damn, I've got this home loan now. I'm learning about this investing stuff, but I have to wait. It's almost like going, no, no, it's not either or. There is a place where you can do both. And so this strategy is all about helping you do both so that, like you say, you can start to harness the power of time with your money. Because yeah, like we always talk about, time is your number one ally when it comes to investing. So how do we co-opt that and get that ally on our side sooner? Absolutely. Thinking about this point in time now, yeah, like the state of play of how things are evolving right now, home loans have low rates, but they're taking longer than ever to pay off. We've got a generation that wants more freedom and they want it sooner, but that's directly at war with that mortgage taking longer to pay off. And it's getting easier than ever to manage your own wealth. Yeah, technology is making it really easy to manage and, and see how your money's working. There's kind of a window. In the past, this has probably been just kind of kept behind the cloak of only professionals can do this, but there are more and more people managing this and figuring out how to do this for themselves. So in the past, you would probably have to go to an advisor and they'd pay you, charge you a lot of money to set up this for you and sort of then monitor it. But now the way those things have changed, 
And I guess the way our drivers have changed as well has meant that a lot of people have started to explore this and use this strategy themselves. Yeah. And I think it's also just the development of the knowledge industry as well. We talked a couple of episodes ago about how it's, there's more opportunities than ever to invest in yourself and learn. And I think this is also becoming more popular because people are getting better at educating themselves around things like this or just investing in general, rather than saying, I'm going to go to a broker or to a financial advisor to do this. They're understanding it for themselves. And I think this is the next layer. It's one, understanding the investing, but then it's also understanding the strategies as well that tie in. Everything's kind of getting democratized in this way. Yeah. Information is not an advantage anymore. Okay. So we're going to explain exactly what this strategy is. And let me just spoil the joke for you. It's called debt recycling. (laughs) We're going to talk you through exactly what it is. We're going to talk you through the key ingredients that must be present for this to work. We're going to give you the six steps for baking this cake. And then a clear example of what this could look like for the typical Aussie couple. And the bottom line in terms of the payoff, we said before, you can help you pay it off sooner and reduce your tax. We're going to show you exactly how much based on some pretty conservative assumptions. And then we're going to talk you through what needs to be true in order for this to work and also for this to work for you, because this strategy is not for everyone. You have to be at a particular place in terms of your comfort with debt, number one. Your ability to know how money's moving through your life is probably the second one. And you're certainly with that is probably a couple of really clear prerequisites, correct? Yeah. It's a bit of a gangster move. It is a gangster move. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got to have some decent balls to do it, but the balls come from one dipping your toe in the water and like becoming familiar with investing and becoming more comfortable with debt, but also in understanding it as well. Like most things, you know, building that understanding and that experience. And then it becomes a lot easier to make a, a big gangster move like this. Yeah. So if you just paid off your credit card, it's probably not the right time for this one. No, it's probably not. No. <laughs> but And probably it's a good time to have this disclaimer as well. Like this is not financial advice. As none of our stuff is, this is financial education. So you're responsible for the decisions that you make. And if you need assurance or you'd actually prefer to be told, then it is a good idea to go and consult an advisor. So if you've been learning about personal finance, you've been listening to this podcast, you've been going, yeah, this investing stuff, I like the idea of this, building my passive income, sort of buying back my time, but you've been thinking, oh man, but most of my money has to be channeled to my mortgage right now. This episode can give you another path, another way. And so we're going to lay it all out for you. Hopefully this can be of a lot of value for some people. Yeah. So debt recycling is a strategy where you use the equity in your home to buy shares to build up a passive income that help you repay your home loan. And over time, you're converting your mortgage into investor debt. So the difference between that mortgage and investor debt is you can't claim the interest on your mortgage as a tax deduction, whereas with the investor debt, you can. So one is helping you own a home, which is just helping you with growth and having your own space. Whereas the other debt is helping you buy shares that will pay you an income stream and grow in value. And you just said the word tax deduction there. And let's just quickly talk about what you mean by tax deduction. When you think about, let's say you earn $100,000, right? And you've got a debt that costs you $10,000 a year in interest. You have to pay for that debt. And let's say it's $10,000 and you're earning hundred k If that $10,000 is from your home loan, that means it's consumer debt, then you pay tax $100,000. Your taxable income is $100,000. doesn't have any impact. Yep. Whereas if that $10,000 of interest is for your investor debt, then it would reduce that $100,000 taxable income to $90,000. So you pay tax on $90,000 worth of income 
and this depends on your tax bracket, but let's say it's that ninety to a hundred thousand, that could be three, four thousand dollars. Saved. Yep. So you're saving your money on tax and it's exposing you to growth and income that you wouldn't otherwise be exposed to at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Correct? Yep. And so that's how it helps you pay down things a lot faster. Okay, so sounds to me like it's almost like you're converting fat to muscle. It's not that useful to something it is. Yep. <laughs> it's probably why we call it a gangster move, isn't it? Because you've sort of gone from you're not exposed to growth and income and also all your wealth's tied up in the home and we talked about that as a risk. You're now spreading that risk and exposing yourself to more sources of growth and income. Yep. So that's how it's kind of accelerating things for you as well, yeah? Yeah, that's right. I can hear what's going off in people's heads right now. So they're saying, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me to take money out of my safe home, which is traditionally and perceived to be a safe asset. You're telling me to take it out of there and you're telling me to put it in the risky stock market. What would you say to somebody who's thinking like that right now? <laughs> you really tested me there. Yeah, yeah. A key part of that is you're reducing concentration risk. And you remember back to episode eight, I believe we talked about it. So if all your wealth is tied up in just your home, it's very concentrated. Whereas if you're taking some of that equity out and you're using that to buy a diversified portfolio, let's say it's an index fund, for example, and that owns 200 or 300 companies, then you're actually spreading your risk. So you're diversifying, um, like they're saying, you know, don't have all your eggs in one basket. It's, it's spreading out your eggs, basically. Yeah. So you're taking those eggs and spreading them. Yeah. Yeah. And the second part of it is also opportunity cost. As we talk about, we get into some modeling in the post that would direct you to afterwards. You could be leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the floor. Absolutely. And it's also, like we said at the start too, like the sooner you get your money invested, the, the harder time works for you. So if you're waiting until you've got your home loan paid off, then there could be a decade or decades worth of opportunity that you've missed out on there in terms of yeah, that's it. growth of that money. Yeah. So we're saying you don't have to do that if you think about this strategy. It's not for everyone, but it's an opportunity for those of you that are comfortable enough with debt and can think about how you might want to use that. And I think it's about making the shift from just thinking, pay down debt to get debt free to grow my wealth, really, isn't it? It's a mindset shift. Yeah, absolutely. It's about... It's also for the person that just wants to optimize everything, like to make sure that you're doing everything you can to stack the odds in your favor of building wealth. Like it's for that person. Because as you said, it's not necessarily about paying down debt. Because once you understand how debt works and, and like become comfortable with it, you don't actually want to be debt free. No. Like you want to have invested debt so that you can have more assets that are growing and, and doing more for you. So it's definitely not about debt repayment. It's about converting that consumer debt into investor debt and then just managing your debt levels in a comfortable way. Yeah, from painful to useful. Okay, so let's talk about the ingredients. What do we need to make this strategy work? Yeah, so the first thing you need is a home, obviously. Otherwise, this wouldn't make sense. The second part is a mortgage that you're looking to convert. Third one is productive equity, which we'll dive into in a minute. You need a surplus in your cash flow to know that you've got some space. So the ability to save consistently and and some certainty with that, right? Yep, that's right. And then lastly, confidence in your ability to earn income in the future. Cool. So that's what needs to be true. But what about for the person themselves? Like how do they, are there some, I guess, character traits that make this more suitable for some rather than others? Yeah, definitely. I think the first one is definitely discipline, like the ability to be consistent and delay gratification as well, like not to get caught on the shiny things. Yeah. This is not a get rich quick stream. We're not saying... Do this and next year you're home free. That's not what we're saying, is nah, it? No, it's not yeah. a magic bullet. Like everything we talk about in this podcast, it's time-tested, principle-based, 
it's not about waking up in six months time and living on the moon. It's something that takes time and it takes discipline and it takes consistency as well. And as I said before, it's for that person that wants to optimize everything. So you need to be disciplined with that. And then also you need to be diligent, like be able to monitor things to optimize the strategies as things change as well. Like just pay attention to things and how they're moving and, you know, things like the interest rates, for example, just be across when things like that are, are changing. Yeah. Cause all those things impact the strategy and you need to kind of move and adjust, don't you? Yeah, that's it. And you get plenty of warning for those things. Like it's not that interest rates aren't going to go from 2% to 10% <laughs> yeah. and give you a side swipe. No. If that happened, most of the developed world would go underwater. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and look, it's probably worth saying here as well. Like if you like the idea of this strategy, but you don't see yourself as the person to do it, then you can get help. And you probably should if you think that it's worthwhile exploring. Yeah. Even if you pay someone to do it for you, it's still going to be worthwhile. No doubt you give up some fruits by doing that. And the compound effect of fees over time do make a difference, but you can ask for help and it'll still be worthwhile. Do you think that it's possible to get help just to get it set up and then monitor it and sort of manage it yourself to kind of get the, do the most of the legwork for you? Yeah, I think so. And that's probably worthwhile if you're chatting to an advisor saying, hey, I'd like to make this a project to get this set up and get educated on the ins and outs of it and then go about managing it yourself. And it might be something where you check in every three or five years and come back and make sure that it's all still right and everything's going well. That's probably a good litmus test too. They should be able to do a better job of educating you than we are right now <laughs> Yeah. or else they don't understand it. Yeah, that's a good test. And it's also like they'll understand your position. They'll understand what you're working towards, your goals, you know, your financial sort of position and your income and all of those things. They'll consider all of those things and then put together a plan for you and they need to be able to educate you throughout that process. So you should come away with it very confident to be able to walk away and, and manage it for the next three to five years at least. Because it is, it's a five plus year strategy at least. Isn't at it? least, yeah. 10, 15, 20 years plus. Okay. So let's talk through the recipe in terms of the steps. And look, it's probably worth saying at this point, we've already mentioned it, but Ryan's written a pretty in-depth blog post that's gone a little bit viral in some of the fire groups here in Australia. So if you want a really good in-depth guide, you wrote that because there wasn't a good guide, was there? There was just a lot of people kind of talking on the periphery about it. Yeah, I think there was a few people just like sharing their opinions on it. And there wasn't anyone that really delve into it, um, like trying to understand it from a step-by-step -step basis so that people can actually learn it and implement it. I wrote that maybe four or five months ago. We didn't actually share it on our website, but we put it on a page and people just found it organically. I think yeah. it's been our most viewed page it has, yeah. over the last six months, hasn't it? <laughs> So yeah, like you can yeah. see that people are hungry to learn more about it and for it to be laid out in a sequential order so that people can follow the steps. We're just going to talk on a high level through these steps and sort of more conversationally do it. But if you want to follow along or even want more of the depth, it's a really good idea to look at that ultimate guide. And obviously, as always, the link's going to be in the show notes for you. So all you need to do is scroll down and click the link. You'll have what we're talking about and you can actually follow along the conversation or read it after the fact. Yeah. And I think this is an important one to read because... I've created storybooks basically and heaps of images because it can be a little bit abstract because there's a few moving pieces with it. So it's good to sort of chunk it down into each step, have a visual cue for each of those. Um, it's really embedded in your thinking and then bring it all together at the end. So it's definitely worthwhile jumping in there and, and having a look at that. All right, cool. What's um, step one? So step one is building equity. So creating that productive space that I mentioned before. And so when I say productive space, the way I think about a home is like this. So thinking about the equity in your home, there's four key equity elements. The first one is the roof. So picture a house, we're picturing the roof 
And the roof is 20% of the equity. So maybe you've bought a house, you've put up the 20% deposit and basically that 20% there, you never want to touch. It's protecting you from the elements, yeah, the storms of, of mother nature. And when you, you say like. the elements, you mean volatility in the housing market volatility. and you have to sell and at the wrong time. And- yep. So property value can go down by 20% and you're not in negative equity, for example. So you never really want to touch that 20%. It protects you from the elements. And then there's the ceiling. So that's an extra 10%. And that's more about just giving you some comfort. There's a bit of insulation in there and it's keeping the house warm. All right. And so 10% you can touch, but you shouldn't. This is your margin of safety, right? It's your margin of safety. So the roof 20% and then you've got the ceiling at 10%. So 30% of the equity in your home. So let's say you've got a million dollar home, just for an easy round number. 30%, which would be 300,000 of that equity, don't touch it. Just leave it there. Enjoy the comfort knowing that you're going to be okay if your markets move reasonably dramatically. Yeah. So the market would have to drop more than 30% for you to be in any trouble. Yep. But then anything underneath that 30%, you've got some room to move. And that's what I would call productive space. And that is the difference between beneath that 70% and whatever your mortgage is. So let's say for that example, the million dollar home, you've got a mortgage of 500,000 and productive equity was up to 70%. There's 200,000 that is in that productive space range that you could potentially use for that next move, whether or not that's investing in, could be going towards a a second property, for example, it's quite a common thing, or it could be going towards something like this, debt recycling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So four equity elements, the roof, which is 20%, the ceiling, which is the next 10%, and then you've got the productive space and the mortgage that make up that remaining 70%. Basically, the rule of thumb is if your loan-to-value ratio is less than 70%, You've got productive space and you can consider this strategy. If not, talk to us about money mapping and we'll help you get there sooner. (laughs) (laughs) And that's right, right? So if your loan to value ratio, which just to really break that down for you, loan to value ratio is how much debt you've got divided by the value of your home. So let's say that $500,000 mortgage and the million dollar home, that would be 500,000 divided by a million, which would be 50% loan to value ratio. So that's a, a really quick math one. But as you said, if you do that math and that LVR is over 70 or over 80 or over 90, even more importantly, you're not there yet. You need to really focus on that debt repayment and managing your cash flow is the most critical part to getting that down, like being really intentional with how you're spending without waste so you can get there sooner and you can start that investing. Okay. So if that's you right now and you're thinking, all right, I don't need to listen to the rest of this podcast. Here's what I want you to do. Fast forward to the last two minutes and listen to the last two minutes where I'll talk you through a video training we've got that's around the four factors you need to maximize your cash flow. Follow that, watch that, because those things in place will help you, yeah, supercharge your saving that way. All right, so that's step one. We've got to be building our equity. We've got to create some productive space. Step two, what do we do now? Yeah, so then we go about setting up an investment loan or a line of credit, sometimes used here, but basically an investment loan that is secured against your home that is using some of that productive equity. Okay. So let's say that $500,000 mortgage against a million dollar home, it might be that you borrow another $100,000 on top. So the total debt is 600,000, 500,000 is still your mortgage and $100,000 is investor debt, which takes me to step three. I'll jump straight to the next one, mate. (laughs) Is then using that $100,000 to buy a portfolio, build your portfolio. So this is where we're talking about getting time to work for you sooner because you're not having, you're sort of saying, okay, cool. I've got some productive space. So let's get that time working for us right now. This is critical, right? Yeah. 
And it might not be that you're in a place right now where you've got that 100,000 or 200,000 in productive space. You might be at 70% on the dot and the next 5,000 that you pay down, you could borrow 5,000. Personally, I like to get probably under 65% and then start from there and you might borrow up to 70%. And really this comes down to understanding your own appetite for risk as well, like how comfortable you are, how well you sleep at night. You might actually prefer having a a ceiling of 20% or 30% for extra comfort. Yeah, so you might not touch the first 40% of your equity. So the other thing to consider here is that you want your investment choices to be income focused, yeah? Because they've got a, the income needs to exceed your interest if possible, which means that that's going to sort of mean that Australian stocks are a bit more attractive, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess if you look at the contrast between international shares or US shares versus Australian shares, let's say there's a 10% return on the US style versus the Australian style of the US, you're probably looking at more like 8% growth and 2% income or even a little bit less income. Whereas Australian, it's more like 6% growth and 4% income. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. There's a higher incentive for Australian companies to pay out higher income because of our tax system and the removal of double taxation, which is a whole nother story. But what that's breeded and what that's created is franking credits as well, which helps the investor pay less tax. We'll have a link to the show notes. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a link in the show notes on that one as well. Yeah. We'll get down a bit of a wormhole. For going yeah, we won't go too far in the weeds on that one. But basically just more passive income. Because you're borrowing and you're paying interest on the investment loan to buy the shares, you want to have it positive cash flow. So let's say it was 3% for the cost of the loan, the interest on that loan, then you want to be earning 3.5% income or 4% income. And then you've got a little bit of franking on top, which creates a bigger margin. Because it's the margin between the cost of the loan and the income that you're receiving that helps you pay extra off your mortgage. It's positive income and helps you pay more off that mortgage, which helps you pay it off sooner. Which is probably why right now with interest rates so low, it's a pretty opportune time, isn't it? Like the record lows in terms of the home loan. And then from investment returns in Australia, you can assume that it's going to be anywhere between 3 to 5% in terms of that return. So right now, that differential is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And that sort of ignores the growth part because you're probably also going to have, you know, over time between three and 5% growth on the portfolio. But for this strategy, you want to focus on the income and the cash flow part of it. And then the growth just be the cherry on top. Yep. Righto. So that's step three. What's step four? Yeah. So step four is, like I just said, so using the income, that extra margin, basically the difference between that 3% income and what you receive in income and the return with the tax to pay extra off your mortgage. So paying that off sooner. And once you've done that, step five, what are we doing now? Yeah. So the next step is then just using that margin. So the difference between the cost of the loan, the interest, and what the income was from the portfolio plus the tax return. So at the end of the year, you'll get some tax return money. So using what you kept as well as the extra dividends that you didn't use to pay the interest and putting that back into the mortgage. Mm. And then it's just rinse and repeat. Yeah. What you just said there in terms of using that difference, the tax return part. Yep. That's where people can get tripped up with this, right? Yep. What would they do if they did it wrong? Oh, mate, shopping spree. <laughs> Look, we got all this tax fact. <laughs> no, you got to put it into this to make this work. Yep. You want to get that $5,000 tax return or whatever it ends up being and use that instantly to wipe off the mortgage. And then as you wipe off that mortgage, you might even do the same thing again, draw up another $5,000 in investment loan, put it into the market, keep that cycle going. 
So once this is set up, it's just a repetitive process where you're just like, if this, then that, if this, then that, if this, then that. It's just the getting it set up and sort of understanding it. That's the real thing. Yeah. Like to really nail that, if this, then that. So step one, pay off mortgage. Step two, increase investment loan. Step three, with that loan that you've just increased, buy shares that pay you a good income. Step four, pay off the interest with that income. The difference, put that towards the mortgage. Step five, when you receive your tax return, put that money against the mortgage and <laughs> do the whole thing again. And repeat and repeat and repeat for yep. years yep. until you get the result. Yeah. And then it's just add time. Okay. So let's do a, a worked example of, because we did say this would help you accelerate your wealth. It would help you pay off your home loan sooner. So let's talk about some actual numbers with regards to that. So in your post, in this ultimate guide, you did a pretty slick example of Shaz and Dougie. Shaz and Dougie. <laughs> Just your typical Aussies. So this storybook that you put together, basically it shows how these guys over the course of 20 years paid off their mortgage four years faster, saved 18K on tax in the process, and ended up $596,000 better off when it comes to their net worth. And at the end... Yeah, and this is the big one. They also had... 41 grand in passive income every year in perpetuity from that point forward. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so let's talk about how this strategy, let's talk through that example and how you got to those numbers. Yeah. So I call this a storybook strategy. So this is where I try to understand things for myself. And like when I first learn about this, I go deep into financial modeling. I go deep on the projections. And so I want to understand how those things fit together. I want to understand all the variables. And if you change one thing, you know, what does that mean for the 20 years time? And when it comes to this, because for these long-term strategies, you want to know what subtle changes make over time. And so for this one, we've got Doug and Shazzy, our favorite two Aussies, basically to set the stage, Shaz, she earns 70K per annum. Dougie earns 65K per annum. And together their living expenses are $80,000 per year. So just to think about their income and what they're spending. And then their situation is their house is worth 700K and their mortgage balance is currently at 420,000. So when we think about those equity elements, the house at $700,000, so 20% of that, which is 140,000, never want to touch. That's the roof. Don't want to touch that 140,000. It's just going to sit there, protect them from the elements. And then they've got the ceiling, which is 10%. So 10% of 700,000 is 70,000. So an extra 70,000 there. So the 140 plus the 70, $210,000 in equity, they're never going to touch. Okay. So once you take that 30% off, you've then got $490,000 in productive space. Okay. But right now the mortgage is 420,000, which means they've got $70,000 in productive space. So what's available to them is $70,000. So in this strategy, what they've decided to do is not use that whole 70,000. They're going to be a little bit risk averse. They're just going to take their time with it. And they're just going to use $35,000 of that and invest it into an index fund, which is focused on Australian businesses because of the income component. And so to break it down, what they're doing is they're borrowing $35,000 against their home. They're then going to use that to invest in a low-cost, high-income index fund made up of Australian businesses, and they're going to direct all of their surplus cash flow to the repayment of their mortgage. As that mortgage is repaid, they're going to further borrow the same amount each time via the investment loan and invest it, okay? And once the mortgage is repaid, they're then going to direct all surplus cash flow 
into investing, building up that portfolio. Now, this part is where this strategy kind of really takes off, isn't it? Because you pay it off sooner and then all the money that you've got from that perspective then gets channeled into the investments. Yeah. And I think that's what people miss with that recycling because in the beginning, it doesn't look that great. But as you go over time and you see that it starts getting paid and then it's paid off and then it goes bang. Yeah, that's right. So you mentioned before how in this example, they pay the mortgage off four years sooner. That's four years where they're basically doubling how much they can contribute to their portfolio. It's not split between paying off debt and replacing. It's focused just on building up that portfolio. That's right. And so what this storybook strategy does is walks you through these different increments in time. So after one year, after five years, after 10 years, after 20 years, what's happened basically. And there's a few assumptions I dive into it with that. And so thinking about how our income and our expenses increase with inflation, there's things like what the income and what the growth is and the franking is for the portfolio, as well as what the interest rate for the loan is. So really mapping out all of those things and how they can change over time. Okay. So there's a few assumptions in there, but let's just kind of go, what's the bottom line of each year? So I talked about before how it doesn't look that great in the beginning, but that story changes a lot over time. So let's just go through where you got to with the numbers after year one, year five, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So after each increment of time, what I've done is looked at the highlights. So you can see all of the workings, you can see how it all comes together and where these come from. But basically what you need to know is after year one, they grew their investment by 1200 bucks. So nothing major, but it's moving. They increased their tax return by $252. Third one is they increased their free cash flow. So the money that they've got available to them by $1,100, which meant that they could pay an extra $1,100 off their mortgage than they otherwise previously could. Yeah. So you go, oh yeah, that's okay. $1,100, is that a whole lot? But knowing that they haven't worked harder for it, they haven't put in more hours at work to do that. Okay, so that's year one. Let's have a look at year five. So then after year five, that investment growth is now growing by 4300 in the last year. They've increased their tax return for this last one by $750. They've increased their free cash flow by 4300 which means that they're paying that same amount, that $4,300 off their mortgage. $4,000 starting to look a little bit more significant. Yeah. So in the last year, they've now grown the investment by $10,700. They've increased their tax return by $1,300. They've increased their free cash flow by $11,500, which meant that they could pay an extra eleven and a half off their mortgage. Yep. Now he's starting to get to- some Now we're moving. Numbers. The train's moving. That's- Picking that's up steam. Significant. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we've been talking about, I guess, the highlights in terms of cash flows for each of those years. Let's talk about the change in the net position now after 10 years of this strategy. What does it look like? Yeah, so you want to start to pay attention to well, how much has it grown by as well, as well as how much debt have you now got and what does that mean in the overall scheme of things. So if you weren't doing any strategy and you were just focused on paying down the home loan, there was no debt recycling involved, the home would be worth 940000 So it's been grown by uh, 3% from the assumptions. The home loan would be $225,000. So your net position would be 714000 So 940 minus the 225 is um, 715 basically. And then with the debt recycling, the home value would still be 940000 because nothing's changed there. Your investment portfolio would be 335000 Your home loan would be 171000 which is less than the previous version, which was 225, the no strategy. This would be 172,000. And then your investment loan would be $283,000. Okay, so 
in the first scenario, you don't have an investment loan. Scenario two, you do with the debt recycling. But the overall position, so with no strategy, it was 714000 With the debt recycling, it would be 821000 So it's $106,000 greater. So after 10 years, we're 100 grand ahead. And we've got pretty solid source of passive income. So this is starting to look pretty good now. Let's take it even <laughs> further. Let's take it right out to 20 and have okay. a look at the difference there. Yeah. So from a cash flow perspective after 20 years and going back to what we ran through before, so the investment in that last 12 months would have grown by around 37K. Would have paid a little bit more in tax now because your income's so much higher, but over the time frame you've paid less tax. They've increased their free cash flow by 41,000 in this last year, meaning because the debt's now wiped off, it was wiped off after 16 years, meaning they could now invest an extra 42K a year. That's pretty good. It's pretty dramatic. <laughs> so <laughs> you're able to now, without doing any extra work, just go, all right. So from this point forward, an extra 41,000 every year is going to be going into growing our money machine. You're going to end up pretty good or pretty well. Or off, just go spend it. <laughs> Not all of it, but enjoy your money. You'd if you're at that point in time... I'd probably hit the snow for three months of the year. <laughs> Let's not sneeze at this. That's a quite a big change in terms of what's possible for you in your life. We talk about buying back time, having $41,000 of passive income at this point, where a lot of other people are still paying off their debt, their home loan. That's a pretty big sort of juxtaposition there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And look, like comparing those two and really sort of, I guess, summarizing the difference between doing it versus not doing it. And that's a big sort of comparison because often people will do something else. Yeah. So it is like something versus nothing. But you look at this modeling and the difference is, you know, paying off the mortgage four years sooner, increasing net worth by 594K, paying $18,000 less in tax while earning an extra 42K a year in free income, free cash flow. Yeah. It's pretty solid for 20 years. Yeah. What's really hard is that first five years. Sucks because yeah. <laughs> it feels like nothing's happening. Even if up to 10, you're starting to feel it. But then you go to 20 and it's a different story. That's the theme with a lot of this stuff we talk about, isn't it? Like you've got to be willing to look like nothing's happening or feel like what's the point of this? Test your patience. Yeah. And you get rewarded for that on the back end massively in this case to the tune of 500 and something thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which when you talk about sort of those later years of your life, that's a lot more security. Absolutely. And like, you're probably hearing a lot of numbers here, like things are just being thrown at you. Like, what does that all mean? Really encourage you to jump in there, like dive into the numbers and, and understand it. It's all in that post. You can download all the workings, everything that's behind it, but at least flick through that storybook. It's a series of slides that you can watch and see how that unfolds. And just see how it all moves, see how things change, how it all links up, because at least the understanding will help you see it as an option. Whether or not it's what you do and what it's or not, it's going to help you see how things work. Yeah. And there are some really important variables to consider here, right? And I think it's probably worth mentioning what those variables are now. Absolutely. So interest rates, they can increase. Yeah. If the interest rates increase, then there's a smaller margin between what the income from your investments are and how much you're putting towards the repayment towards paying the interest. And on that one, if interest rates increase beyond your income from investments, that makes your strategy not effective at all, right? Not as effective. Like you're still going to have the growth on top, but you may have to supplement the deficit. You're going to be forking yeah. out from your pocket to sort of make up the shortfall. Yep. That's right. On the assumption there that 
it's a hundred thousand that you've got invested and it's a hundred thousand dollar loan, you're going to be building a margin between those two. So after some time, it might be a $200,000 portfolio and there's only a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yes. So you've got, you got more, more investments than you do debt. The other one is the income from your investments can decrease. There can be something happen like a pandemic that influences the income for six months or 12 months or, or longer potentially. Government can change its tax rules. So that can influence ranking credits and you know what you get as a tax return to channel towards it. And then from your personal perspective, things like your own income or your ability to save and pour more off the home loan and then draw up and create that cycle, that could be something to consider. Home values is another one. Price of the home, if that went down, you borrowed up to 70% or that's why maybe for some people it might be better at 60%, for example. That is something that can shift and change. We saw with the global financial crisis, it was only for... 12, 18 months, two years, but that does happen. And also, I guess probably the investments don't grow in value too. So your loan ends up being greater than your portfolio. That would be very demoralizing for a lot of people. Over the course of that time frame, that's very unlikely though, over yeah. 20 years. We've never seen a period of 20 years where you've made no money in the stock market. There would be some chaos beyond your portfolio <laughs> if that were true. <laughs> it's very, uh, yeah. It could be that for periods of time that's true, but for the whole 20, that's very unlikely. And I think that's what's really important. When you hear these variables, you might be thinking, oh, that sort of disqualify. I can't deal with any of that. It's really important to think about probabilities here. A sign of probability for each, you know, what's the likelihood we think that the interest rates are going to increase beyond, you know, the income from our investments within this time frame? What do we think that is based on what information? What is the probability that income from our investments decrease at the same time? And you can start to put some logic to it because otherwise you'll just be kind of going, from a fear place going. And that's where I hear that stuff and I go, well, yeah. you know, is that worth yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's really important to put some sort of numbers to it to go, you know, what's the likelihood of this happening? Yeah, absolutely. And also a quick caveat here. I'm not currently doing this. You're not currently doing this. I will be doing this when the right time comes. Like we're focused right now on, on building our own business, building up our portfolio and a house will come. But until then, this is something I've taken the time to understand to know that that is a move that I will take, but I'm not doing it right now. Yeah. I'm not sure whether I will. Depends on how we end up. We'll see. Yep. All right. So look, that was a pretty in-depth sort of look at this. And we wanted this to be a companion to the ultimate guide. So again, I'm just going to keep referring you back to the guide, all the detail, all the numbers, all the numbers, all the workings in there for you. So if you want more of that detail, definitely go there and do that. But the real point with this is Look, you don't need to wait until you've finished off your home to buy a passive income and build it. If you're comfortable with debt, you can use this debt recycling strategy to convert that consumer debt into investor debt and drastically accelerate your wealth. And you've just seen by how much. So we do have members in the program that are managing this themselves. You do not need to be a financial advisor to do it. You just need to take the time to understand it, work your way through it. Don't be in a rush. Map out all those contingencies, think through it clearly, and you are able to do it yourself. You don't have to be an expert. So again, I'll just point you back to the guide on our website. Have a good look through that. And uh, look, guys, that's it. Hope you enjoyed this. Bit of a different episode, but we think it's going to be useful for a few people in the audience that did sort of reach out and ask questions off the back of the last episode around useful debt and what to think about and how to use it. So if you like this episode and you're liking the podcast, as always, do us a favor, invest in us by sharing and subscribing to the podcast so that each episode comes out, you'll be in the loop and also you can share this with other people that you think could get value. Just remember, for those of you that got stuck at, we don't have enough productive space yet, just listen to my voice very shortly as I talk you through the four factors training that we've got for you. See you soon. Thanks, mate. Bye. Hey, before you take off, I'd love to ask you something. Are you getting value from our content? 
If you are and you love to show us your appreciation, there are three simple ways you can do it. Number one, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Number two, rate and review. And number three, share this episode with someone you know who'll get value from it. Now, these might feel like small gestures for you, but they're actually big levers for us. By doing this, you'll allow us to continue bringing you world-class guests, create more content that's relevant for you, and reach more legends just like you. So if you're the kind of person who loves to give value for value, just choose one or all of those actions. Subscribe, rate and review, or share this episode. Many thanks in advance.